is Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast, brought to you by footballindenmark.com. Welcome to episode seven of Danish Dynamite. And I normally start with a bit of a preamble, but this week, all you need to know is it's cold, it's windy, it's wet, and the Superliga has just stopped and won't be back for over 90 days. So I'm feeling pretty glum, but I've enlisted the help of none other than Casper Pedersback to help put a smile on your faces as we reflect on a very exciting first half of the Superliga season. Casper is, of course, a massive Bromby fan and football analyst whose work can be found at threepoints.dk and tipsbladdle. Casper, welcome to the show. Thank you. And uh, as you said, it was cold and rainy at the UN. You can see uh, this is actually a window uh, behind me. (laughs) That's how dark it is in Denmark right now. Wow. Well, I, I'm glad that we've uh, we've got that in common to kick things off. Yeah. Casper, um, you've been writing about football, watching football for, for a long time now. I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about your footballing journey. You know, how, how did you yeah. become a supporter? How did you start writing about Bombi? Just in the beginning, uh, a hell of a lot of years ago, um, a friend of, uh, of mine is back in, you know, in elementary school. His dad was working at a place uh, that... Uh, at some sort of sponsorship with the Bonbu. And we were like, I don't know, five years old. And then it just started this way. And back then, um, there wasn't really any other uh, Copenhagen clubs. Um, hint, uh, our rivals from FC Copenhagen. So back then, it was just like, that was the team. And that was like, yeah, the one I supported. I grew up with that, riding my bicycle to, to Bonbu Stadium a lot, living just like... I know, eight kilometers away from that. In time, I could start seeing that, you know, when I watched the football game, I could see that, you know, my friends were seeing that when I say they saw something else, it wasn't like a different, completely different match. It was just like, you know, the layers of it and nothing wrong with that. But I, I just noticed that I kind of, you know, like put notice to a lot of other things, just not, not just where the ball was, but, you know, like positioning of the players. And the real, why I was, became aware of it was uh, for my own, you know, like football career, if you can put it that way. Uh, I could see that I wasn't like the tallest, um, the strongest, but I could see that, you know, like my uh, understanding of football helped me um, reach uh, a level where I shouldn't, you know, if you just look at the physical uh, strength and stuff like that, uh, where I shouldn't be. And my coach said the same thing. And yeah, then in the years to come, I just started to put more and more notice in it, writing small reviews of games, not for anybody else than myself. And then it was a dark moment of my life. My wife and I, we lost a kid at the birth a little over five years ago. And then a friend of mine in Brøndby took me out, uh, the editor of Three Points DK, uh, uh, my employer right now, They she, she took me out and I started to write a little bit. And the funny thing was that I haven't, you know, like seek this. It just started to grow and got an audience uh, who read what I was writing, who listened to me in the podcast and encouraged me to, to continue. I got a message from, uh, you know, like real pro uh, coaches, players. Uh, it was so strange because I'm just like, I'm just this regular guy. Um, and now I'm writing for uh, magazines, uh, doing podcasts. Uh, yeah, I have this uh, incredible network in football. Uh, so that's pretty much what brought me to it. 
Fantastic. Well, it's a it's a great privilege to have you on the show. And I do sometimes think that I can watch a game and sort of pick out tactical patterns and stuff, but I have to be have to really be wanting to to look at it. I don't see it naturally. I just sort of see the the ebb and flow of the game. For you, is it possible to watch a game and just enjoy what's going on, or are you always spotting things happening on a tactical level? I wish I would be able to say uh, I could just watch a game. It's not something I do by purpose. But it's just like kind of a bit of like a Rain Man <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but really, because it's not that it's something that I switch on and say, okay, now I do this. I just can't help notice the things. The only part where I maybe I, I don't do it, it's when uh, my friend and I, we uh, visit, we travel to, uh, to London. Uh, and go to the stadiums and where we drink a lot of beers. <laughs> then the analytics uh, will be hi- hit away uh, for a while. But no, it's just something I see. Um, it's kind of, you know, like seeing uh, several layers in the game. I could think of a few analysts here in the UK who feels like their analysis is done after a few beers, um, <laughs> <laughs> mentioning no names. I thought what would be an interesting place to start would be to to talk a bit about your team. There's so much going on with Pombi oh, yeah. at the moment. And I mean, where to start really? How about Niels Fredriksson getting sacked? Two seasons after winning the title, Quamby down in 10th place. He, he's got sacked before the winter break. What's been the, I mean, was it something you were expecting? What are your feelings towards him? It'd be really interesting to, to understand. First of all, I have to say that uh, Nils himself uh, as a person, as a coach, is uh, highly respected and uh, loved in Quamby. And it wasn't a, a divorce, divorce where, you know, like uh, if the fans was just like, you know, Get the rid of him. Get a get the hell out of our club. It was more like you know he had to go, um, and it was with a, a sad uh, feeling. Um, he it was a lot of circumstances that led to this, um, but basically it wouldn't be possible for him to to continue at the club uh, if you're looking back at 2022 uh, as a in whole in general the the team hasn't performed any by anywhere near average uh, in the in the league and not acceptable for a club uh, with this budget and uh, this size in Denmark. And how, how much of that is down to the players and how much is down to the manager, do you think? It's it's not uh, black and white, obviously. Uh, it, it never is. Um, a lot of things uh, has a... Is she this? Um, the prime reason last year when post the championship title season Bonby sold a lot of players uh, within six months uh, he basically lost the core of the team also a core that made him play the way he did and uh, made him play the way he won the championship he was very strict it was this strong defense uh, playing 3-5-2 killing the opponents on the counter-attacks they got uh, Mikel Uwe up front, uh, who's now in the, the MLS in the, the United States. You had uh, Jesper Jobbe Lindstrom in midfield, uh, who's now in Frankfurt winning the Euro- Europa League uh, last season and, well, just like killing the Bundesliga. You had Borden Fandorf, who's in, in Italy now. He had Antonio Jung, who went to Werder Bremen. Yeah, <laughs> the keeper, the two of three defenders, you know, so many left. So entering the new season... He tried to continue the same, and he did, and he succeeded with it for half a year, because Mikel Uwe kept producing goals at a completely insane level. If you use expected goals, which I uh, I use a lot, he kind of you know exceeded the XG double up of uh, what's you know like the average players expected to score. So 
when he was sold almost a year ago, you know, in the winter break, he had to reinvent uh, entirely the system, the style of play. He got new players. And running through 2022, it was a complete, you know, if you take it as a, as a whole year, it was a year where he kept trying new things, new systems. He kept trying to fit in the players, but, but he wasn't able to integrate the new players. And at this young guy, uh, like Hekheim, who had a good, solid uh, autumn last year, last year, he has almost entirely been out of the squad uh, this year. And I got the feeling that Nils was, he was not uh, developing. He was uh, tearing, not tearing things down, but he wasn't, he was, you know, like stagnating. Uh, it wasn't moving. Um, and during this autumn, it was very clear that if you looked at the results uh, and the expected goals, um, the reality um got in touch with the expected goals. Uh, you know, like Bambi hit the average. Um, yeah. And the average wasn't nice. It wasn't good. It was uh, below average in the league. And that's why we are looking at a team positioned at number 10 right now, even though that they have some uh, really strong players. Yeah, I don't know whether you agree with this, but it felt to me like Lindstrom was the, he was the one that was missed the most. I know Uwa mm. kept, scoring goals but the sorts of goals he scored it felt like it would be possible to find another striker who can score those goals albeit a challenge but with Lindstrom it was the fact that he was just you know he could score from outside the area he could create he had speed he had he had almost everything to his game and I think that you know we're seeing that I think he won young player of the year in the Bundesliga and you know we're we're seeing how Mm. his career is unfolding it feels to me like the inability to replace him was the kind of the start of the difficulties. Yeah, completely. Uh, they missed this uh, middle space player. They missed a player who could link up, run with the ball, progress the ball, uh, move the ball from uh, midfield and into to attack and to the final third of the pitch. It was the opponents pretty much uh, figured out that if they just put in a low block, Bonpe hadn't, uh, they didn't have any uh, back room uh, to to run into they haven't got this they ran out of pitch <laughs> to put it that way um, and they didn't have a player who could create so really difficulties uh, creating uh, xg they were their numbers were running low so it became harder and harder to make this edge in uh, if you consider if you have in mind that you have uh, expected goals and you have expected goals against it was uh, even and when it's even, you depend on the quality of your players and you need your players to be the best every time. And losing uh, Lindstrom, using, losing Uwe, losing key players was uh, extremely difficult. Um, plus, they also lost, uh, last year, they also lost the uh, German defender, Antonio Jung, who was uh, incredible, uh, important for them to bring up the ball from defense. So it basically, they had to start over. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, in the window, I think that you guys made some made some great signings, but it, it hasn't been hasn't been enough. Um, no. And, and for me, the, the worrying thing about uh, the autumn was that the numbers was still going the wrong way. Um, ex- expected goals against was uh, going up it was um, it was. Not just like, you know, a couple of games. It was 
running higher than expected goal, your own expected goals almost all the time. And as I said before, it's it's getting difficult to win games in in the in the long run. Then, um, and when you also look at the quality of the game, not just expected goals, but also you know like if you watched the the patterns in the play, in the passings, the ability to move the ball around, it was very clear that the team they got stuck. And looking at Nils Frederiksen at the sideline, at the touchline, he. He became more and more, not that he gave up, but it was clear that he was getting, I say, desperate. Um, and the last match against the Vibor uh, two days ago, it became very obvious when he made some substitutions where, you know, like he just went all like a gung-ho football manager style and put three, four forwards on, uh, on field, trying to, you know, like hit the Hail Mary, uh, Hail Mary and just like getting something and... Yeah, he he had lost the squad. Yeah, and we're going to get on to talk about that game, but there was, there was one other thing that I wanted to ask you about, which is the other big story surrounding Bromby yeah. at the moment, which is the, the ownership situation. I wondered, for anyone who's not familiar, could you just uh, explain the situation? Uh, the short story about it, about 10 years ago, Bromby was on the edge of uh, bankruptcy, where this guy, uh, this Danish guy, Jan Bek Andersen, he bought the club, he bought the majority of the club, he has been a majority shareholder uh, ever since, uh, putting in a lot of money. And Brøndby has had problems being a profitable uh, business for him. Uh, he has, uh, yeah, as I said, he has lost money, put money into it. Then basically started around, pretty much around the, the championship uh, season last year, where he kind of not putting out a sales advert, but almost starting to talk about getting new investors. And this talk has been going on for uh, yeah, the past 18 months. And then a couple of weeks ago, he produced this uh, new ownership, this consortium containing 14 different investors with the major profile, David Blitzer, as the, the like the main guy. He's uh, having shares in uh, Philadelphia 76ers and the NBA and other American sports. He has a, this group has also shares in a Dutch club, a German club and a Portuguese club and stuff like that. And that's basically where we're at right now, that they are going to be majority shareholders from a week from now, the final deals will be signed. And how do you feel about it? Do you think this is a positive step for the club? I think it's it's a, it's a difficult uh, situation because I can understand. I would prefer a Danish owner. I would prefer this billionaire guy who just put money in the club and not have any like demands, not uh, want to make any money. I think all the Bombay fans want that to, to become true. Like basically what uh, Jan Bek Andersen did uh, for 10 years. But as he said, he wouldn't put in any uh, any uh, further money into the club now. So right now, despite what I want and what many other fans want, we don't have any like uh, ways to, to handle it because... When the owners not not want to put in any money uh, now, we need some investors. Do I like the way things are about those investors? Not entirely, um, but I'm also there where I want to wait and see what happens and try to um, interact. And and I, if you ask me, I would prefer that the demands that some fans have that they are not too categoric because we have to be be realistic. Because these guys can do whatever they want. If we want influence, 
we need to have a dialogue. We need to to interact with them. And if you are too unrealistic in your demands, you know, like if you say we don't want you to own any other clubs than Brøndby, you can't change that. So I hope that in time the parties will find each other and find a solution where it will be possible to make it work because. For me, Brøndby is a lot more than the business behind the club. It's uh, meeting with my friends at the stadium. It's uh, all the social stuff. It's writing about it. It's uh, going to see practices. It, it's Obviously, it's the location. It's the club. It's the name. It's the colors. If it's not affecting my everyday interaction action with the club, I could live with an ownership like that if they were fair, handling things fair. And wasn't turning things into a like a Red Bull concern, City Group, uh, whatever. But it's very difficult because right now, what worries most people, I think, is the uncertainty because mm. you know things haven't been put in action yet because the, it's it's just in the beginning of this new marriage, if you can put it that way. Who's going to be the person that the fans are interacting with on behalf of the ownership group? Right now, the person who was at the press uh, conference also, it was this guy from, uh, he worked at uh, Chelsea earlier, Scott McLachlan, I think it was. And that's the guy who I think will be the like the entrance uh, person for uh, like having this dialogue with the, with the ownership. Okay. All emails to Scott then. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've talked about how it's been a poor start to the season for mm. Bobby. The manager who the fans obviously had a bond with has gone. There's a new ownership group in town. What are the signs of encouragement that you think going into this prolonged winter break? Is there anything that you think gives the fans reason to think that better times are ahead this season? Basically, I think that things are looking better than, you know, like just a few years ago. We have had a championship. We have uh, been able to now put in the cash needed for some prolific players. We got Nikolai Vallis last season's like a wonder kid when he broke through at uh, Silkeborg. He's playing in one. We got uh, Ohi Umjamfo, a striker from a Norwegian striker from uh, Red Star in, uh, in Serbia. We got uh, Daniel Vess, a national team player home from uh, Atletico Madrid in Spain. We got some quality players. Right now, short term, yes, things are obviously at a risk because we're number 10. Uh, we haven't produced better than being number 10 or maybe number maybe number 9 if that in that case but as i said if you look at the squad like in, in general we have quality players yes the spring might not be like you know us moving up uh, in top 6 or maybe not top 4 and stuff like that but i can live with one bad half season if i can see developments on the long side if we can bring in a coach in this, oh, we, we obviously will, we will bring in a coach uh, now. But if this coach, this new guy, can put his ideas to work, if he can uh, realize uh, and like convert the potential into effective uh, results on the pitch, I think that the club will be in a fine place uh, long term. As I said, short term, no, it won't probably not be uh, like neither gold, silver, bronze this season. But at long term, I, I still have clear hopes. I see nothing that will make me doubt it right now. Okay, oh, that makes sense. Why don't we talk a little bit about the weekend's action? And I guess it makes sense to start with that game that you talked about against Viborg. I thought that 
Viborg, it feels like everything they do has been so well drilled and trained and practiced, even down to that free kick that Clint Lehman scored. You could Mm. tell that that was something that they'd worked on. They looked really pleased to have pulled that off. And it just felt like they had the upper hand for the majority of the match anyway. How how did you kind of see it pan out from a fan's perspective? They uh, they had the they had the overhand uh, the entire match. Uh, it wasn't uh, it it can't be said any simpler than that. Uh, they were the best team. They uh, deserved the win and they took the win. Um, they outplayed Bonby in so many ways. Um, both teams lining up in this four three three, but where Bonby had uh, huge problems moving the ball from from the basic play build up you know like in in the defense they had huge problems uh moving it into midfield um and that was uh, a main reason was that um one bush defensive midfielder Josef Odosovic, he's a he's a good um conqueror of the ball he uh, he recovers a lot of balls but he's not. He doesn't feel well uh, having to play in the like in the tight spaces between the lines. He likes to drop down between the, the defenders. Or he just you know like previous seasons they had uh, as I, as I mentioned Antonio Jung, the defender who was excellent at bringing the ball from defense to midfield. So it kept Adosovic away from that part of the game, and he could do what he did best. He could recover the balls and he could play the long balls and he could act uh, and play and pass in the areas where he wasn't under pressure. When he's trusted with the responsibility to receive and move the ball in the short passing games. He doesn't feel uh, well in that area of the game. And when your defensive midfield doesn't uh, do that well, it's hard for you to to like converted from uh, from defense into offense and meaning that the other offensive players like Valis for example he's dropping uh, further and further down the field to receive the ball moving him further and further away from the goal making it easier for Vipo to put on pressure and basically that was like the story of the the game uh, one point who was in possession uh, Sunday on the other hand, Vibo was excellent uh, at the ball. They had, like, you know, in, in offense, when the, they had three men up top, um, the two on the, two on the flanks, well, they, uh, they were ran, running uh, central when the, back, when the right and left back was running uh, wide. Uh, they were running uh, wide when the, the number eights were running the, the wide area. So it was just like, Bonby had so much difficulties um Acting on Vibor's runs, um, Vibor's players were running uh, constantly. They were opening spaces. Bonpi uh, was constantly reacting instead of acting. Uh, so uh, so Vibor constantly could move Bonpi around, opening new spaces between the lines. And you know, like it was seriously in 2022, this performance from Vibor was the like you know like most uh, fully completed version of a of an away team I've seen they stuck to the playbook from the beginning to the end and you know like just completely whooped Bonby from from the yeah from the first whistle to the last uh, in, the, in the entire game there was played I I don't think there was played more than like 5 6 minutes well, I said to my friend, um, this is going to be a very long game. <laughs> and, you know, like 
in the halftime, I was just waiting for the match to end because I I to just to see that Bromby wouldn't they couldn't they couldn't do anything. And as I said before, seeing the coach and the sideline, it was clear that he had you know like he knew uh, what time it uh, it was, and it was like no matter if if Bromby had won this game, he would still be let go. I'm for sure of that because his data, all the statistics pointed all the wrong way. Got it. Yeah, and re- really interesting point you made about Radosevic because I think on the flip side, uh, one of the things I've been so impressed by Jeppe Groning is just how press resistant he is and how well he manages on the ball for a defensive midfielder. And that's also because, uh, especially with the Groning, Vibor has the patterns ready. He knows where to pass the, the ball because he know that uh, he knows that uh, one of his teammates will make this run. He just need to put the ball there. He doesn't need to look for the for the guy. He just need to put it put it there, and that's a huge, hugely impressive thing from Vibor. And that's something that Bonvi was lacking. Absolutely. Well, the next game that I wanted to talk about was definitely shock of the weekend. <laughs> yeah. uh, Lingby ran out two nil winners at Silkeborg, and I, I mean, shout out to Lingby BK English friend of the podcast Dan, who has been watching Lingby all season without seeing a win. And <laughs> yeah. I was hoping for his sake that it would happen at some point before Christmas. And <laughs> you know what? In the first half, they really rode their luck. I think Silkeborg were quite unlucky not to score. But in the second half, they they, they came out swinging and came away with a, a win that meant so much to them. Yeah. And again, if you looked at this game, it was pretty much uh, an even game. Because if you look at uh, expected goals... The game was basically just like a coin flip. Uh, it could uh, go to to each side. It was almost even. Uh, the expected goals, um, but Lumpy, at some point, they had to show a little bit quality, uh, because one of Lumpy's huge problems in the season is that they are allowing way too many goals against uh, what's expected, and they are producing uh, next to nothing. Uh, so at some point they had to be like just like a little bit average, and this was this was basically the game where it went. Um, but in general, Lumbu is going down, and 17 games in uh, the season, they have been in constantly uh, minus uh, on the expected goals difference, meaning that you know again, if you're in minus, you have to have the best players to overproduce the average performances, and yeah, they don't. Or you need to have a little bit of luck, and I think yeah. they've had none of that in any. No, 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 especially. <laughs> and but you also have to put in uh, a little bit note about uh, Silkeborg, because they have been running low. It's so clear when, for me, when the European season started, and when they also lost Nikolai Vallis to Brøndby, because you can see how the production it just uh, drops uh, so clearly when the European season starts. And for me, it will be interesting to see in the spring whether or how much you can put in the in the you know like in the European uh, tour box or how much you can put in the losses of the profiles they've been uh, they sold the Rasmus Carstens and they sold the Nikolai Valis. So for me, the spring will be it will be interesting to see what Silkeborg can produce because right now they're running low and right now they are just like a, a below average team, uh, like in the middle uh, or just below the middle in the table. Yeah, and it f- feels like they're, like you say, because of Europe, they're having to rotate quite a lot. I think Kasper Kusk has been so mm. important for them, and he's you know coming off the bench certain games. So I think that when they can settle on a on a, a first eleven, I think that's going to be um, really important. Um, 
Mo- moving on to the next game, and FC Norgeland absolutely wiped the floor with Alborg 5-1. I mean, I was expecting this to be an emphatic win. It was, but it was perhaps even more emphatic than I expected. And all of the goals were of really high quality. Uh, yeah, and I'm glad you put it that way because that's basically what it was. Uh, it was, uh, was quality and it was luck because all the goals that Norgeland produced, you can't expect them to be scored every single time. And Norgeland is basically, they produce, a, let's call it a plus on the chances, but they are riding, uh, they're riding a big of a bit of a misfortunes uh, under misfortunes wings, because they produce a little more than expected on the goals, but they have a good offense, offensive. But against when it comes to the goals against, they are not nearly not le- letting in the amount of goals that they are expected to. So right now they are riding the, the fortunes. Not that they are bad, but they they have had their share of luck when it comes to the goals against. And also, like you, as you said yourself, uh, the, fi- the finishing against OB, I think it was a little rough on OB that they had to let in five because it was a free game if you consider. Did you see the game? I did, yeah. Yeah, the, the fifth goal that Fakir made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a player who hasn't really got going since he came back. And I think the fact that he scored is probably one of the best goals of his career. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah it, was just, it was just like a screamer from outside the box. And yeah. for people who knows me, uh, they they know that I hate long shots because the expected uh, success of uh, long shots is so small. So it's just like, you know, you risk the ball uh, instead of uh, gaining something. Are you that person on FIFA who always cuts it back from the six-yard box for an easy oh, tap-in? Oh, yes, in? The, cut, <laughs> the cutbacks. <laughs> yeah. For anyone who watched Premier League football in the mid-90s, it reminded me of the, the famous Tony Yaboa goals that um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. hit the underside of the bar and, uh, yeah, very aesthetically pleasing. But I, I wondered, with Bromby in 10th, are you looking over your shoulder and thinking, uh, we don't need to worry about relegation, this is two teams who are already down? Or are you thinking... You know, Alborg have some quality players. Yeah. Uh, c- can they start rescuing themselves? If you start thinking like that and say, okay, we don't have to worry, uh, that's the two uh, relegation uh, teams we have in place, that'll be, uh, as I said, worrying. But with that in mind, OP and especially, L- for me, there's a difference. Lumbu, they, when I say they need to go down, it's, it's from 17 games into the season now. They haven't showed me anything that makes me rethink what I think about them, you know, like going down. So for me, Lumbu has uh, the, the lowest odds on going down. OP, I would be worried as a uh, Allbor fan because their numbers and the way they have been declining uh, is is uh, it's hard. Um, and they really have to, to rethink how they are playing because they have a hard time producing stuff and they yeah let in a lot of goals. So so it's yeah, they are two big contenders. But I would say that um also horses uh, need to like uh, watch over their shoulders because Obi would realistically have to, to uh, catch them on the break. Um if they're going to survive. Yeah. And normally when a team is free falling in the way that Alborg are, 
one of the kind of break in case of emergency things you can do is bring in a new manager and they've already done that so yeah, <laughs> i'm not sure that. they can do that no, again no they've done that once so uh, exactly and yeah. one of the things that that's quite curious about what eric hamron's done in the past few weeks is he took alan souza and lucas anderson out, out of the team they went on to to lose two games he brought back alan souza uh, this weekend uh, lucas anderson was still on the bench brought back alan souza who for me has been their most dangerous player this season and it still wasn't enough he did have moments of looking dangerous but it it seemed like he's he's pulling all the different tricks he can you know shuffling the pack different players every game to just to try and find something that works and it doesn't seem like anything is yet yeah, and also if you took if you take this uh, running average uh, of uh, Olbo's uh, expected goals difference and compare to the running average for the um, for the goal difference, the actual goal difference, Olbo uh, has a hard time producing a plus. So as I said before, you know you need good players to win the games and a luck or luck. Uh, and if you look at the whole season. Um, it hasn't really gone going for Alborg. They they've been, yeah, as I said, having a hard time producing enough. So it's a worrying situation for them right now. Yeah, well, I think the winter break is going to provide them some respite, and they can uh, we can see what they'll do. What? Yeah, they definitely need to to bring in some new players because a huge part of uh, uh, the misery in Alborg is uh, the squad uh, and the way it's uh, it's built. It was almost like comedy when. Uh, just for like a week ago, they had to uh, suspend uh, one of the new defenders, leaving them with uh, only two uh, central defenders when they've just started to play a system with three uh, in the back. So it's just yeah. like, okay. And if you look on top, they have like a provider of goals. They like quality in, in, uh, on the wings. So it's just like they have so, so few good players. And also, if you can compare to last season, Luca Prip last season. He had what I would call like a, a unexpected season because he produced so clearly buff average what's what would be expected of him. And I also note that uh, put a note on that in uh, on Twitter, saying that you know like it would be interesting to see if he had like one you know one season one that he could ke- keep producing the same numbers. And he has been uh, caught up uh, by reality, uh, have made zero goals, I think. Uh, produced like half the number of shots from last season and yeah basically not been a threat uh, almost not yeah it's really strange what's happened with him I, I I can't really work it out but I think you're probably right sometimes players do just get on a hot streak and then they they have the summer off and come back yeah. and can't find it again moving on to a, another game though you mentioned Horsens before and mm. uh, you know that they only got a point from the match against Odense three all but once again, their kind of like fighting spirit that has been so evident this season was there in full force. I thought that they did really well to come back. I think they came back from 2-0 down to 3-2 yeah, yeah, exactly. up and, and then lost it. But they seem to be, you know, despite the injuries, despite players missing um, suspensions, it's, they they've still have this same uh, mentality and it's serving them well. Yeah, and mentality is the way uh, for them to survive. Because they had a good run in the early season where they they caught some some important victories for them, uh, also victories that maybe wasn't expected. Of uh, if you look at the, the the play and the the chances, the quality of the chances, and they have also been caught by reality because they have had a long streak of bad results, bad games, uh, losses, and uh, and a low production uh, of chances. 
and that is also why I have them as one of the teams uh, that's gonna fight relegation. If you look at it right now, the situation right now, but it's it's one of the teams that needs to fight against the ghost of relegation when you enter the final uh, rounds of the season. Yeah, and another team whose form has been a bit hot and cold this season is uh, AGF, who yeah. went down at home 2-0 to, to FC Co. This was a game that I, I thought was going to be quite hard to call, but in the end, um, Copenhagen left it late, but uh, I, I, it, I think it was a reasonably even game, but th- they just took their chances really well at the end there. And uh, I, I wondered how you've seen uh, from a kind of tactical perspective how you've seen Nystrup start implementing a style that that's noticeably different to Thorup Nystrup he uh, he has tried to to put them more back into I wouldn't say completely what they were known for earlier but with this big number 9 up front uh, Cornelius and then you have uh, some wings that need to provide for him and then a uh, uh, attacking midfielder behind who can like sniff up uh, whatever left uh, whatever drop drop off there's. Um, but I'd say one team that maybe have gone a little bit under the ra- under the radar because they have uh, had a little cold streak. When you look at the results, it's uh, actually after Copenhagen. They are producing some some good numbers all season, uh, almost uh, all season. A little drop off just be- before Chorup uh, was uh, sacked, but Nestor he has actually got them going well faster than I expected. And I'd say right now, FC Copenhagen is the biggest threat to Norseland uh, as a contender for the for the cha- for the championship. Yeah, I think the I think the odds reflect that as well. I still think the bookies are maybe being a, a little bit too pessimistic about Vibor, but yeah, I think that oh, yeah, certainly, yeah, yeah. certainly the signs are there that that Copenhagen are, are mm. starting to put together a bit more of a challenge, and I think that they go into this winter break third. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and also that they have some quality players and they have the ability to bring in uh, more quality players. Uh, they have one of the, in my opinion, one of the best offensive players, all-round offensive players in the league, in the Victor Klaassen. I, I really see them as the main, as basically as a main contender, uh, and they would have been like a, had a lower odds for the championship if they didn't have this cold streak in the early season. Absolutely. Well, the final game from the weekend was actually on Monday. Uh, was it on Monday? No, it was the late game on on Sunday. Yeah. It wasn't one to write home about. No, it, it felt like a Monday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a, a very good game. I did watch it, and I while I was watching it, I was thinking, "What am I doing here?" Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, afterwards, I looked at the looked at the highlights package, and I don't think it even made it to two minutes of highlights on the uh, no. on the Super League website. So, yeah, th- th- there wasn't much to say there. Only that it really feels like you know, Hannes probably came out of this with a bit more credit, given that their sort of relative size and stature to, to Michelin. It doesn't really feel like Capellas has has got Michelin singing again. They feel some way off the level that they've shown over the last two seasons. They have been dropping in uh, production ever since he took over, basically. A lot of it has to do with the squad, uh, the way it's put together. They need uh, some changes, clearly. They need. Uh, they have Evander on the way out. They need a striker who's reliable. Capellas, uh, he put in a defender, a striker for the past two two games, I think maybe. And they need uh, restructuring the squad because again, 
this, the data, the, the stats, uh, it, it basically says the same thing, that they are not better than they are placed right now. Uh, they have uh, huge problems considering uh, the yeah, the stature of the club, uh, the size of it, uh, the ability, uh, financial. Um, but I'm pretty sure that they are going to act. They they are going to do the necessary things. They are going to make this cleaning in the in the squad. They need to. If you think about how they started the season where they had Onyedika and Evander in mm. central midfield and that was such a successful partnership last season and it looks like Evander's going to MLS, Onyedika's already gone to Club Brugge and I think that it all stems from that central midfield and yeah, Olsen and Martinez have looked really good but they don't have that same creative spark that Evander brings. And no, and they also, they 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 in desperate search for, as I said, the number nine mm. Um they have so they have they have really good players. Uh, they have Gustav Isaksen, uh, fantastic uh, dribbler, uh, creator on uh, on the wing. They have Anas Dyer, who's amazing. Uh, his ability to play uh, in several positions and and convert uh, a low xG into goals. Uh, but they need a striker to kind of. Kind of take the attention from the yeah from the from the two others uh, two other attacking players in front, and they also need uh they also need to replace Evander. He has uh, like done his thing at Midland, and now he needs to to let go and yeah try something new. They have uh, Martinez uh, just confirmed him today as a permanent signing. Yeah, and uh, well, there's nothing but praise for him, and he will definitely be uh uh a star and prolific player uh, in the spring and he will show his worth and why they signed him for so uh, so high a amount of money absolutely well i think it's going to be yeah it's going to be fascinating to see how they do in the second half of the season because they could end up getting stuck in the in the relegation group amazingly given how how tight it is so yeah i i think they will they will make it yeah because yeah. i i've seen a reduction in in yeah, in what they create in the games from uh, several of the top six teams. So I think, also I think Obey will not last um, if they are put up against the FC Midtjylland, then FC Midtjylland will take, uh, like, yeah, they will they will make it um, if you compare those two clubs. Brilliant. We're going to take a very short break now. And when we come back, Casper and I are going to, discuss our team of the season so far which names we agree on which ones we don't and just kick that about before we bid you farewell so we're just going to take a little break now uh, and then we'll come back with that we've all spent so much time playing the classic board games from monopoly to cluedo but when was the last time you played a new board game with the same level of entertainment and craft Look no further than Pundit, the quintessential football trivia game. And I can tell you from personal experience, it is incredibly fun to play. But not only that, it's been designed to be aesthetically pleasing on your coffee table with a beautiful design ethos that really sets it apart from anything else I've seen out there. On top of that, it's a great independent company that was set up by two guys with a love for football. Not some big company looking to cash in on football fans at Christmas, but a couple of guys who are real football fans who wanted to create the sort of game that they wanted to play themselves. Treat yourself or a big football fan you know to a set of Pundit by heading to punditgames.co.uk if you're in the UK or punditgames.dk in Denmark and use the promo code Danish to get yourself a tasty discount. 
Welcome back. And we are going to talk about our team of the season so far. So I sent Casper my team of the season uh, in a rather strange 4-1-3-2 super <laughs> attacking formation. Yeah, you would get sacked if you were in <laughs> Casper sent me back his in a much more realistic 4-2-3-1 formation. And there are quite a few names that are different. So in terms of uh, the names that we agreed on, perhaps, uh, we both agreed uh, on Gay and Nagalo in defence. Uh, I think that those two have been, well, we knew about Nagalo already, but I think that he's really stepped up this season. His range of passing has been superb. He's just been a rock at the heart of that, that Norgeland defence. And, you know, they're, they're not conceding many goals. And he's a big part of that. Yeah. And also the way he's been bringing the balls forward, uh, it impresses me a lot. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of a no brainer for me. Yeah. And I think Gay at. Viborg has also been really impressive at both ends of the pitch. You know, he's um, got a, a knack for getting assists, you know, bombing down the right-hand side and, and putting the ball in, um, but has also shown um, some great defensive nows. And I think that he's a, a name that if he's not on people's radar already, then he should be. But both of those two have made both of our teams. So yeah. at least we can we can shake hands <laughs> and agree on those. Was it really only two out of 11? No, it was two in the oh, defence, oh, okay. uh, two in midfield, and, and ah. one of the strikers. So the two midfielders that we both agreed on were the Norgeland pairing of Mads Bidstrup and Andreas Sheldrup. And I think Sheldrup is going to be the first name on everyone's team of the yeah. season, just because <laughs> he's just you, been a ph- phenomenon. Yeah, you can't you can't uh, put a team like that without bringing him in. No, exactly. But I think Mads Bidstrup has been like, f- fantastic at the base of that midfield for Norgeland. Yeah. And I have a feeling if he keeps producing at this level, Brentford are probably going to hang on to him next season. They are going to hang on to him. Uh, I, I know uh, people in Brentford. And when they, uh, because I was there at a study tour uh, a couple of years ago before Corona. So uh, I was in like in the facilities uh, getting a tour around in the data department and uh, with one of the analysts. And they have uh, high hopes for Bistrop still. Last time I talked to my guy over there, uh, he definitely said that Bistrop was still uh, like you know a player for them, uh, and he has shown this awesome why. I'm pretty much sure that right now he's still running. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, um, I, I saw a tweet. I think it was. Um... FC Norgeland Glasgow, who always have great Twitter content, so go give them a follow. But they posted something that said something like 70% of the world is covered by water and the rest is covered <laughs> by Mads Bidstrup. So, yeah. Sounds, sounds reasonable and also realistically. <laughs> yeah, so uh, no, he, he's been fantastic. And the other player that we both agreed on is um, J. Roy Batistuta. I oh. mean, J. Roy Grot. Yeah, I watched him firsthand this Sunday. And I got to say, when you have a player who is not only physically strong, but can also like keep Andreas Maxu away like he was a fly on the back, that's impressive. Yeah. And com- combine it with the ability to to like play uh, passing football, run into spaces, make a goal. You're on my team of the season. He was so impressive. And I think as far as I remember, he started, in Vipo playing wide, but then they sold uh, Gröning, Sebastian Gröning, uh, a year ago to to South Korean football. And when he, when Gord was put up front, he showed that this was definitely his place to be. He's yeah. good. 
if you combine goals and assists, he's top with 11 ahead of Sheldrup, Victor Klaassen, you know, players that, that are really formidable. And he's also top on expected goals with 7.1. Yeah, um, and, that, and that's what I like when, because this makes it, it's uh, the sustainability of it. Uh, mm. It's more like his ability to, to get to the chances means that in time he will produce the goals uh, expected from it. It's better than producing a hell of a lot of goals in uh, 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 lesser uh, expected goals because then in time, unless you're among a very few elite strikers in the world, you will drop into to average again. Yeah, and this might sound crazy. It might sound slightly harsh, but I feel like the bit of his game that I feel is weakest is actually his finishing. Like he, he does so much good, you know, build up play, smart movement, and you know th- this season the the goals are going in for him. But you know the goal he scored on the weekend it was like his boots were Toblerone shaped. You know, like the ball went a strange direction. Uh, uh, it, it crept in, but um, I feel like this season he's he's sort of. He's, he must have been working on that part of his game because suddenly it's all coming together. And yeah, he looks like a real sort of complete striker. Yeah, he looks like a fish in the sea playing up front. Exactly. So we right, So we both agreed on them. Let's talk a bit about the ones we didn't agree with. So it, it, Oh yeah, in... the rest of it. <laughs> so starting off in goal, actually, I picked Andreas Hansen from, uh, from Norgeland purely because I think that he has had a, a massive transformative effect since he came in. They went from looking super shaky at the back to looking yeah. really tight. And I think that, you know, he has just gone from strength to strength this season. Um, you picked Patrick Kalgren, yeah. uh, who has also been phenomenal. It was actually picking the goalkeeper. I think you know you could also make a case for Delach. You could also make a case for Lund. I think there's been lots of good keepers mm. this season. What was it that made you go for Kalgren? His uh, ability as a shot stopper. He has amazing uh, reflexes. He is a key reason for Ranas that they have been positioned where they are right now. Without him they wouldn't have gone any by anywhere near uh, the top. And I think, uh, depending on for how long he's out injured with this uh, horrifying face injury, it could cost Ranas dearly if it wasn't uh, just uh, before the winter break. So depending on for how long he's, uh, he's away, he's sidelined, uh, it could cost him. But he has done so good. And yeah, for me, it, that tipped it over because his importance uh, to the team that he's playing for, uh, yeah, when I was selecting Hansen, I was thinking what Alborg would do to have uh, oh, uh, <laughs> held on to him. Yeah. Uh, just again, it's uh, it's another one in a, st- in a string of uh, terrible transfer decisions made in Alborg the recent years. Uh, yeah. Their uh, arrangement, their marriage was uh, with the Inge, what was his name? Uh, Inge Andre Olsen, the... Uh, sporting director uh, who just left earlier this year it has uh, cost him dearly yeah it certainly has let's talk about defenders so we both agreed on Guy and yeah. Nag- Nagalo but yeah. I went for uh, Bisek from, from AGF and Villardson from uh, Norgeland I think both have been real yeah. kind of like standout performers for them. You went uh, Masonda from Horsens, who again has been fantastic, and uh, Bergie from from Vibor, a stalwart in that defence that that is sitting second in the league. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm curious, you know, with the, the names I've floated, yeah. would they change your mind, or w- w- would you stick with those two names that you put forward? 
if uh, from those two, I would stick uh, with uh, Bjørki. Uh, because I think he's been so impressive uh, for how strong he was or is, uh, how he's been performing, how he has been able to go straight into a defense and just, you know, find the rhythm, play, not leaving anything at risk. So yeah, I'd say him of those two. Uh, where Musanda, yeah, Musanda's good. Uh, he's been doing uh, great. But also, as, a, as you mentioned, the Villatsen, yeah, sure, uh, an incredible player, a huge part of uh, Nordsjælland's uh, success uh, being on top of the league. Yeah, yeah. It, it, again, there was, you know, lots of players to, to choose from. And I, I think that, you know, when I was thinking about Bissek as well, I think there aren't many centre-backs in the league who can do what he can do in terms of... Um, uh, joining the attack, he's roaming a lot, uh, and that's also why I don't want him in a two-man defense. Uh, because <laughs> yeah. uh, at one point you'd stand as if you were, if you were in my team, if you re- replaced uh, Birgi with the uh, Bisek, then Nagalo at some point would stand uh, on the field and say, "Where the f- is uh, Bisek at?" And then he would look up front, and uh, my team would suddenly be playing a three-two. Four, <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, that would be a disaster. <laughs> the midfield was where I think we probably differed the most. I picked Nuama uh, from uh, FC Norgeland and uh, Jabali uh, in a sort of attacking midfield slash support striker kind of role for, for Odense. Um, whereas you went with Victor Clayson, who, uh, judging by the replies on my on my tweet, I should have picked. <laughs> I think yeah. most people felt oh, that I, that was I, harsh I, I, not including he, him. He, he's so good. And yeah. the, the funny thing with Clayson is that you cannot really point out, you know, like it's not that he's uh, strong, especially strong. It's not that he's especially pacey. He's not especially good dribbler. It's not that he has this uh, freakish uh, good shot. He's just good at reading the game, uh, and it's just like he know where to, he knows where to stand. And for me, he got a really incredible football brain. Yeah, top performer for Copenhagen, unfortunately, uh, from my perspective. <laughs> but uh, in my point of view, if I had to put in a name as number two after Sjeldrup, uh, that would basically be Klaassen. Yeah, yeah. I I think perhaps one of the things that kind of factored into my thinking was that he's played really well. I just think that his importance for for FC Copenhagen is probably on a par with what Jabali's is for for Obi. Um, and uh, how consistent Jabali's been as well. I I don't know. It was it was a, a coin toss, and I, I went yeah. for the more unpopular choice maybe. But <laughs> yeah. but um but yeah, I I, th- I think Clayson's a very solid selection. Nuama was a player who wasn't on many people's radars outside of Norgeland before the start of the season, but he's just been an absolute revelation. So I, I couldn't not include him because I, I've seen him in the flesh. I've seen him on TV. And every time I just am so impressed by, yeah. you, you know, his, his speed, his technique, his finishing, everything. He seems to have got it all and he's only 18. He could have joined the team, especially if you wanted like a more winger-ish type of uh, player out there. Uh, I went uh, with the... Yeah, as you know, uh, Nicolai Vellis, because, uh, yeah, well, in this case, I wanted just like a, this uh, middle space player. Mm. Uh, and also because if I consider Vellis' season, he uh, had a incredible start in Silkeborg. Uh, I uh, watched him firsthand in Silkeborg uh, in the summer where Brøndby played. I watched him set up uh, Helenius' 
I think was the first goal of the season, uh, uh, first goal of the uh, of the game uh, for Silkeborg. And I watched him, as I said, firsthand do all this incredible reading of the spaces. Re- it's just like I've I I put this. Uh, I saw this guy. He wrote something that uh, you know Nikolai Vallis. He can uh, play in uh, five uh, times the speed of every other player. And then I turned it around saying, no, it's just like he's not playing five times uh, faster. It's just like he can slow everything down. Mm. It's just like when people are, when when other players are seeing a situation uh, develop, he has already seen what's going to happen. Uh, and if you uh, if you have seen the score that Bonby uh, makes against the uh, Odense last weekend, um, that'll uh, tell you what uh, Valis is about. And when you produce a performance like that in the early season with Silkeborg, with a good team, and then he's coming to Brøndby and at a team who lacks uh, like stability, who lacks uh, tactical, uh, yeah, completeness, uh, and and basically is a team in in not a free fall but in problems, and you can keep producing things like that, it's gonna make me list him on on team of the yeah half season. Makes sense. Yeah, he's been he's been really impressive, and I I, I think I've, I'm certainly guilty of forgetting or not forgetting, but not placing as much emphasis on players' uh, seasons before they transferred. Someone sent me their team of the season that had Christian Sorensen in the left back position. I said, you know, he's not even been the best left oh. back at, at FC Co this season. But then yeah. he pointed out, hey, look, he had whatever it was, eight, nine games maybe for, for V-Ball uh, this season where he was superb. And it's true, you know, he, he was uh, he was playing at a really high level um, at, at V-Ball. So I guess uh, the same can be said for, for Valleys at, at, at Silkeborg. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, exactly my point of uh, yeah. you. And the the fi- final player, um, I went for another striker, but you went for another midfielder uh, in um, Lasse Berg Jonsson, and he, he's again another player, a bit like a bit in the in the way of a Bidstrup or a Jeppe Groning. They don't play the sort of position that gets headlines, but they're no. so crucial to their team and how they're they play. Hard. Yeah, they're heart of the team. Exactly. What what's impressed you about his uh, performances this season? His ability to combine uh, playing in tight spaces, playing short passes, playing long passes, uh, being this uh, engine uh, in the in the center of the pitch, uh, moving the ball. It's his importance for runners to uh, change uh, the side, you know, playing small short passes right and then switching uh, with a long pass to the left. It's uh, very much to do with uh, Lasse Berg-Jonsen's um, ability to to cross it and to, to change the direction of the play and dictate the tempo of the game. But I have to say, his position could very easily be uh, switched uh, with uh, Jeppe Grønning from, uh, from Viborg, who is a fantastic player and also a fantastic player because I like his journey he has been playing for Viborg for I think it's ten or eleven years, um, and he kind of you know like he went down with them, and he has developed and well, he has uh, like if you take like a toolbox, in the beginning he was one kind of player with a limited amount of tools in this box, now he has developed his his uh, yeah all his abilities so he can also not just 
recover balls, but he can also progress the ball and he can also move the ball and keep the pace of the play up. So for me, Jeppe Gunning could very easily uh, be in that team as well. Yeah, and for anyone who's not heard it, the first ever episode of Danish Dynamite, I had Jeppe on for an interview. And one of the things he said, actually, on, in that interview was, if only he'd learned what he's learned in the last three or four years earlier in his career, he'd be really interested to see like where his career would have gone because he's learned and developed so much in that time. And it's so interesting because Jeppe, he is actually, he actually uh, out of nowhere, he wrote to me, uh, I don't know, a year or two ago, uh, saying that he put notice to what I've been writing with the data analysis analysis on uh, on Twitter and so on. Um, not that he was, you know, like had any ties or anything with Bonby, but you know, in general with the Superliga and also reading about Bonby because he found it interesting. And he's a player who wants to learn. It, he's he's an old player, well, old in the football f- uh, style of of old, um, but he's not. Uh, refusing to learn and that's impressive uh, for me that he like he wants to develop his game Uh, so he's a stand-up guy I can only uh, put in a good word for him definitely yeah he he did his university um, thesis on uh, data in data in football so yeah that was that was really cool the final player that I went for was it was another striker in uh, Patrick Mortensen and he to me is uh, maybe gone a little bit under the radar because of how AGF have have been performing but yeah. every week he turns up every week he's you know he scores the exact sort of goals that you want a number nine to score you know those yeah, yeah. Th- those kind of like blood and thunder ones the scrappy ones but he can take a good penalty he just seems like the perfect guy to be um, leading the line yeah if I had to play like uh, you know the the big small duo up front uh, he would definitely suit one of the spots there but for me he's he's too limited uh, if you want to play like a gold I, I had to pick uh, for me uh, for my uh, team of the season I had to pick one uh, because I decided to go with this uh, four five one uh, if you call it that so for me if only if there was only need for for one uh, there would be Grote and Mortensen would be too limited, but he would be uh, definitely a contender if you want this specific style of number nine. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting looking at these teams is, you know, there's no Michelin players there. There's In our combined teams, there's one Bromby player, one FC Co player. Oh, yeah. So it, I think it's it's uh, symbolic of how this season's panned out that it's the less traditionally big teams that are really dominating. And I think that's what's made it such an exciting season so far, that it's so close. Every game is unpredictable. And yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it. I don't know about you. Uh, <laughs> from, from my fan point of view, no. Uh, but um, like in, in general, I always like to... Yeah, go see Bonby play, and I also like to to watch and follow the the Superliga closely because it's it's as it's a more uh, how to put it average league. You know, like in in England, yeah, you'd see the same, basically the same four or five clubs in the top every season, uh, season in season out. Um, but in, in Denmark, uh, it seems like uh, we can't have two seasons in a row with the same team and the teams uh, on top. So we try new. Uh, a new thing uh, next season. <laughs> Sounds good. Listen, Casper, it's been a, a huge pleasure having you on the show. Please come back in the future. And I will, uh, definitely. <laughs> and yeah, um, enjoy the winter break, rest up, and 
come back for the new season or the the res- resumption of the season with a uh, plenty of energy hopefully a bunch of new signings to digest and a very important yeah we need uh, to do a, we need to do a transfer special uh <laughs> let's do it yeah end of the january window let's let's do it because we've got another two weeks after that before the superliga resumes so exactly. yeah lock it in cool thank you casper and where can people find you on social media and on uh, uh on the internet yeah, that'll be uh, be on Twitter, where my username will be Casper uh, Peters. Uh, but you, I guess it it's easier for you to just write it in the show notes. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, let's do that. So yeah, go and follow Casper. You can follow me at Football in DK and check out all the stuff on the website at footballindenmark.com. We're going to leave it there, but thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Danish Dynamite.